when it comes to marriage and it comes to divorce and remarriage, obviously this is a messy topic at best. It is complex and sometimes it is confusing, but most of all it is emotional because it affects us at the deepest levels of our heart. As for me as a speaker and as a teacher, this is a very difficult topic as well because I know some of my best friends and family members, some of the people I know, they are divorced and remarried. Some of you here are divorced and remarried. I understand that. And it is a challenging topic, but I want to approach it this morning, hopefully with grace and with truth. And I want you to understand, when I open up the Word of God, I'm not speaking to any individual. I'm speaking to us collectively on how we can best understand what Jesus had to say to us. This morning, again, I know it's an emotional issue, and if you're listening online or if you're listening to me this morning, please stay through to the end because um, I think you will understand the flow of where we're going if you are able to, to follow through here this morning. So stay with me to the end. Um, Jesus had said some radical stuff. And especially in the Sermon on the Mount where we're going to be today, Jesus said, uh, if your eye causes you to sin, poke it out. Jesus said, if one of your limbs causes you to sin, cut it off. Jesus also said that you can't be his disciple unless you're willing to renounce, or in some translations, hate your mother and father. Jesus said that we are to turn the other cheek. Jesus says we are to love our enemies. Jesus said a lot of radical words. And we as Christ followers, or we as people interested in understanding more about God and understanding more about his word, we need to be willing to listen and to see what Jesus has to say to us. But one of those words that is probably very difficult for us to hear, especially if we've gone through a divorce or remarriage, is what Jesus really meant when he says whoever divorces his wife um, causes her or himself if they remarry to, to commit adultery. And so we're going to approach that topic today. Here is something that I came across a quote, and I just sort of want us to think about it. It's a powerful quote. Um, it says this, we have no reason to fear truth, only ignorance. And again, I don't know who said it, but I love the quote, because as I studied this uh, this week and have studied it basically my whole life, you never need to be afraid of truth. Once you know the truth, you're able to embrace it. It's, it's the ignorance part or not knowing the truth that causes so much harm. So keep that in mind. There is no fear in embracing the truth. And before we dive into Matthew chapter 5 and what Jesus had to say in this one verse about divorce and remarriage... I think it is best if we review from last week. Here's what we talked about last week. And if you didn't listen, I'd encourage you to listen online. But basically, we learned these truths. Marriage is sacred. Marriage is a covenant. 
It's a covenant that was created by God. And it had a divine plan, a purpose. And God's divine blessing was upon it. But when in Genesis we learn that someone is going to leave, so specifically, a man is to leave his father and mother, and a wife is to leave the father and mother, and they are to cleave together or hold fast together or to come together and they shall become one flesh. And last week I tried to say when they become one flesh, it's like super glue being poured over that covenant, that commitment. What we need to also understand is because of that one flesh, marriage is forever. And what we also learned last week is that marriage is designed to be a safety zone, especially for women and for children. And so when Moses and Jesus talk about a certificate of divorce, and when they talk about marriage, they are very much pro-women. They are looking after the lady. They are looking after the female. They want to protect her. Because in that culture, too many men, even Jewish men, had the idea that they can just get rid of their wife and move on. And so Jesus and Moses understood that in the law, and they wanted to protect. And so that they were pro-women, they were pro-woman, they were pro-children. So that was last week. I also said last week, and I think this is important before we look at the passage, if the situation calls for grace, we need to offer grace. If the situation calls for truth, we need to offer truth. I have to deal with this all the time when I am in the midst of complex relationships. I need to know who I'm talking to. I need to know what the situation is. And I need to be able to offer grace where grace is needed and truth where truth is needed. And I encourage you last week, this is what I believe Jesus did. Because Jesus was full of grace and truth and Jesus did it perfectly. Jesus was able to offer grace and truth to the most difficult situations or teachings that he delivered. Sometimes he offered more truth. Sometimes he offered more grace. So here is the passage we want to look at, and it's in Matthew 5, and it's a little more than this. There's Matthew 5, 31, where Jesus is sort of laying out the condition. On the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, you have heard it said, but I say to you. And he's going through the law and how the law relates to Jesus' new kingdom ideas. The Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, the Blessings. And as Jesus is going through these Beatitudes, he's saying, you have heard, this is what Moses has said, or this is what you've read in the law, but I say to you. And what Jesus is basically saying that relates to us today, he's saying, even though the culture, or even though the church may say something, I'm going to raise the bar. I'm going to raise the standard, and I'm going to tell you what I am really thinking. What is the truth behind the law? What did God intend from the beginning? And so 
this is the passage. And I would encourage you to, to study this passage and not just take what I say, because when it's all said and done, it's not what Pastor Bark says. It's, it's going to be what you understand according to this passage. So Matthew 5.32 says, But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Now we need to understand the context. We're not just grabbing it out. Jesus had just said, you have heard it said, if anyone commits murder, well, I'm telling you, this is what I'm saying. If you call someone a fool, you've already committed murder. Jesus says, the law says don't commit adultery, but I tell you, if a man looks at a woman lustfully, he has already committed adultery in his heart. So Jesus is saying a bunch of tough truths and it's sort of like the Pharisees and the Jewish leaders are like, what is he saying? What's he getting at? What, what's the point? I, I don't understand. And so this is a troubling passage or what some people may call a problem passage. And it becomes more problemsome, if that is a word, <laughs> it becomes more of a problem if you look at the parallel passages. Because notice the parallel passages. There are two of them. I'm just giving you Mark 10, and we were in Mark 10 last week. But notice this one. Jesus just says, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her, and if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. This is even taking the standard even higher, and there is no exception whatsoever according to Jesus. So how do we handle this? How do we understand it? And this morning, I just want to give you an overview of what the four most popular ways are to understand this. And then I want to give you practical application on what we are to do about this. So as you look at this passage, one of the things I need to remind us about when Jesus talked to the Pharisees, he focused on marriage. They focused on the exception. And so what Jesus is trying to do, like last week when he was being tested and tempted and put in the middle by the Pharisees, he focused in on marriage. And that's why last week we talked about marriage from Genesis chapter 2. We need to be careful we don't fall into the same trap. We don't fall into that trap. So when you look at this verse, Jesus said, but I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife except on the ground of sexual immorality, that is what we need to understand. What is Jesus saying? Is this really an exception or is there no exception at all? You know, some people say there's no exception at all because he doesn't mention it in Mark and Luke. And so this becomes very confusing for a lot of teachers and pastors and for us as Christians to understand what exactly is being said. So here are the four views, and we're going to talk about these. So there is one camp, so to speak, that says no divorce and no remarriage for no reason at all. 
Once you're married, it is forever. And if you get a divorce, obviously you're sinning. If you get remarried, you're sinning and committing adultery. That's sort of the, the angle that one camp is in. The second camp says, no, you can get a divorce. There is an exception, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. But once you get divorced, you cannot get remarried until the previous spouse dies. That is the second way to look at this passage. A third way is to say to yourself, well, obviously he gives an exception. And if he is giving an exception, the way you read Jesus is that he is allowing for remarriage if the spouse has committed, and, and we need to notice this, and even those who are in this camp acknowledge it, if the spouse has committed not adultery, but what is called pornonia, which literally means sexual immorality, it means fornication, it means to do something indecent in the marriage. That's where the Jewish people were when they came to Jesus. The Jews were saying, no way should there, no way should a person who finds out that there's been sexual immorality, especially among the, the wife, that they should be forced to stay married. There was an exception clause. And so there's a third camp that says that a person is free to remarry especially when there is sexual immorality. And the fourth way to look at this is that there are exceptions because of the hard heart. And so this camp says when Jesus talked about divorce and remarriage in the passage we looked at last week and also in Matthew 19, he says that Moses allowed the certificate of divorce because the hearts are hard. And we talked about that last week. What is Jesus talking about? Well, he's probably talking about the hard heart of the males. The males were saying, I can get a divorce for whatever reason. I don't like my wife's cooking. I don't like the way she looks. I don't like what she said to me. I think this lady over here is more attractive. I'm going to get a certificate of divorce. And Jesus is saying, because of the man's hard heart, I'm going to allow a certificate of divorce so that no one has to suffer through that. And then the female would be protected and she would have a legitimate reason to remarry. So which perspective do we take? Now one of the things that I think might be helpful is how do you understand difficult passages? And what I have done is I don't go to commentaries first. I don't go to well-known authors first. I don't go to other pastors. I open up the Word of God and I try to study it for myself. And I would encourage everyone, when you come across a difficult passage, either of Jesus' words or Paul's words or something that you don't understand, Here's a couple of suggestions that I would like to make. First of all, look at the parallel passages. I've already done that this morning. Jesus only talked about marriage and divorce and remarriage. He really only talked about it twice. 
Once he talked about it on the Sermon on the Mount, this passage in Matthew chapter 5, verse 31 and 32, that is also repeated in Mark 10, or not, not Mark 10, but in Luke 16, 18. But he also, he talked about it a second time when the Pharisees were testing him. So only two places, but there are five passages that you can look at. And they're a little bit different. And so you need to study it. And you need to ask yourself the question that we're going to explore in a little bit. Why is there an exception clause in the Sermon on the Mount? But there is not an exception clause in the other passages. And here's the rule of thumb that I always go to. I always go to what is clear. Too many of us, we base our understanding of a particular passage on an unclear passage or what we would call a problem passage rather than basing it upon the clear teachings in other places. What do I mean about that? So when Jesus was answering the difficult question about divorce and remarriage, he went to Genesis to answer that question. He didn't try to answer it in a different way. He could have went back to the law in Deuteronomy 24, which is where it talks about the certificate of divorce. He doesn't do that. He goes and he talks about the clarity of what marriage is, and Jesus tries to be very clear. God created them male and female. A man shall leave his father and his mother and they shall cleave and they shall become one flesh. What God has joined together, let man not separate. He goes to the clarity rather than to the confusion. And when you study this passage or any other passage, you need to do that. The third rule of thumb that I would always suggest is don't read your story or put your emotions into the understanding of Scripture. And that is always hard because when we open up Scripture, we do look through it, look at it through our story. We do look at it through our emotions. We look at it through our circumstances. But that is not the way God wants us to interpret what he has to say. He wants us to interpret it through the words that Jesus actually spoke. And then if you're still confused, look at other scholars, look at other teachers, ask a pastor, ask somebody, do a group study on it. Say, hey, how do you read this? How do you see this? So that you can understand. So back in Matthew chapter 5, 32, Jesus says, but I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. How do you read that? Which camp do you fall in? The reason some people fall into the camp, and this would be considered the far extreme on the one side, no divorce, no remarriage, is because they're saying that Jesus is elevating marriage. He's going back to Genesis, and he is obviously saying no divorce, no remarriage. And then people will say, don't you read that exception clause in there? 
And they say the exception clause really isn't an exception clause. It was Matthew's way either of explaining something that they would understand. For example, in the Jewish law, if someone was guilty of sexual immorality or committing adultery, do you know what they did to them? They stoned them. And so what Matthew is saying, since he's writing to a Jewish audience, you know that, that there's really no exception because you know that if someone divorces, except for sexual immorality, because that person is going to be stoned to death. There's another way to look at it. Some people will say, what we talked about last week, is that, no, he's referring to before you're married. He's talking about the Mary and Joseph situation where she was found to be pregnant before she was married, and that's sort of what the certificate of divorce was. It was to protect a man, especially, from marrying someone because the marriages were arranged. It was to protect him from marrying someone who wasn't pure, wasn't holy, wasn't a virgin. And so there was a protection. And so this camp says there is no divorce and no remarriage. Now, when you think about this camp, there is no exemptions. <laughs> there is no grace that is allowed to be offered, really. It's just sort of law. It's just sort of the fact. It's sort of, this is the way it is. You sort of got to live with it, and you need to, to accept it. Now, the second camp, where they get that you can get divorced, is they say it's obviously an exception clause. And even those in that exception clause, many of them who have studied it and studied that Greek word pornonia, because Jesus could have used the word for adultery. Obviously, he uses it later. Jesus doesn't use the word for adultery. He uses a different word for sexual immorality. And so what people in this camp say, and it, it makes total sense, if you marry someone, especially a male but also a female, and they are sexually perverse or they are doing things outside of the marriage that are prohibited by God's word that would classify as sexual immorality, obviously that person is free to get a divorce. God would never want someone to remain married to someone who is sexually immoral and, and cheating on them. And so obviously there is grounds for divorce, but they read this and they say, wow, that's pretty hard by Jesus and the other passages. It sure seems like he's saying even though you can get a certificate of divorce, you sure can't get remarried. The third camp is saying, and we've explained it already a little bit, the same reason you can get a divorce, but what they're saying is you can also get remarried because the way Jesus spoke about it, he's saying except for sexual immorality, that means it frees you up to get remarried. And because it frees you up to get remarried, it means you will not be committing adultery. The last camp and I understand the last camp because I've done a lot of counseling. There's a lot of hard-hearted issues in marriage that aren't even sexual in nature. There's physical abuse. There's verbal abuse. 
There's just basically being married to a jerk. I mean, there's, there's a whole list of things that could go into that category. And so what they say is, what Jesus was trying to say was, you know what? There's a lot of issues that relate to the heart. And I'm a big heart guy. There are a lot of issues relating to the heart. And so because there's a lot of issues related to the heart, a person is free to divorce when there's hard-heartedness and they are free to remarry. Now, everyone in that camp would say, but we need to put on the brakes. This isn't just a ticket to get divorced if we don't like our spouse or if things aren't going right or if our spouse makes a couple of mistakes. They're quick to put on those brakes. So those are the four perspectives. Here's what I want to do before I explain sort of where I land. Here's what I think some of us sometimes we read into Scripture things that Jesus didn't say. And so I want to talk about two of these things. What Jesus did not say in this passage. He did not say that a person who is divorced and remarried is in a perpetual state of adultery. I'll never forget when I was in in class and my professor, uh, Dr. Pentecost, a a great godly guy, he would come in and... um, He had written books on Daniel and Revelation. He had written books on the Gospels. And he just would come into class always and open up his Bible. And I'll never forget, he was in class. And obviously in seminary, I had a few guys that had been divorced. And they're there in seminary. And they're they're trying to, to figure it out. And so they read this passage in Matthew 5. And Dr. Pentecost explains his perspective on it. And so right away the hand come up and you say... Are you telling me that I'm still in the state of adultery? And I'll never forget the look on the professor's face. He sort of laughed. He's like, I didn't say that. I didn't say you're in a perpetual state. And Jesus doesn't say that. He says they commit adultery. The other situation that I see people sometimes read into this is that adultery is the unforgivable sin. Adultery is not the unforgivable sin. And sometimes people think that adultery is unforgivable. There is nowhere can you find that Jesus is saying adultery is unforgivable. And if you're following along in Matthew on the Sermon on the Mount, again, he already says that someone who lost has already committed adultery. He says someone who says someone is a fool or a moron has already committed murder. Jesus is trying to teach us that the law demands perfection. And Jesus is trying to teach us that we have all fallen short of the glory of God. We have all sinned and we all need his grace. So what did Jesus say? Here's what I think Jesus said that is pretty clear. Marriage is permanent. If you go and you look at Mark 10 and Matthew 19, we don't have time to get there today. But if you go and you look at those two passages... That's the way the disciples interpreted it. The disciples interpreted it that marriage is forever. It's a covenant. It is sacred. It is holy. It is oneness. And what God has done, we cannot get it undone. So what God does, we can't undo. What is done is done. 
in God's eyes. You say, well, I got a certificate of divorce. And Jesus would be saying, yeah, that's a certificate of divorce, but in God's eyes, the marriage is permanent. I think that's what Jesus is saying. In fact, again, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in studying more history, but what I read, and I mentioned this last week, for the first 500 years of Christianity, the thing that was attractive about Christianity was the oneness of marriage. And those who were Christians who were married were married and they had a, a marriage that was built upon love and faithfulness and loyalty and commitment. I read also this week that in the first 500 years, the Christian church and the church fathers, they had the hard view, no divorce, no remarriage. In fact, basically in Christian marriages, there were not any divorce and there wasn't any remarriage because they interpreted Jesus's words as permanent. And it's very interesting, in the first 500 years, Jews still allowed for divorce and remarriage and the culture, obviously the Roman culture, allowed for divorce and remarriage. But the church didn't. So I think what people understood Jesus to say was that marriage is permanent. And he is also saying adultery is more than we think. You see, sometimes we think that adultery is just, yes, adultery is someone having a relationship with someone that they're not married to, and then that, that causes adultery. And I get that. But I think if you're looking at Jesus' words, especially we're going to look at this in a couple of weeks from now, whoever looks lustfully at a woman has already committed adultery. And what Jesus is saying about marriage in the one flesh, he's saying there is something more to adultery. And that is why in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, you have heard this about adultery. This is what I say. So here's the two questions that we need to apply. What if I'm divorced and remarried? What am I supposed to do? And here's my suggestion based upon Scripture, and I am clearly put in Mark says, not Jesus says, because Jesus doesn't go on to clarify this. This is how I read it. This is how I understand it. Here, here's my, my first su suggestion, is that we need to accept Jesus' words and we need to trust him. However we interpret it, whichever view we have, we need to accept it and we need to trust what God is doing. Here is the second thing I would suggest. If we find ourselves in maybe what we call an understanding of this passage for the very first time and we didn't understand it, maybe what we need to do is confess it. Just like all sin, we need to confess it and we need to get back in a relationship with God. Also, you may be asking yourself the question, am I welcome here at Harrisonville Community Church? Am I welcome even in the church? What is Jesus trying to communicate? And I want to say, yes, you are welcome. We all have our issues. We all have messy situations in our life. And we all have different situations that have occurred in our life that we need to accept one another just as God has accepted us. And so, yes, you're welcome. And one of the reasons I love the song we sang before 
the message today is because God's love never fails. God's love is always there, is always consistent. It is always fighting for us. His love never fails. And I am a big fan, and this is true for young people that find themselves no longer virgins. This is true for people who, who maybe are addicted to something. I believe in what you would call second chance grace. We all need grace. We all need the opportunity for a second chance. We all need to to sort of rebound spiritually. And I would ask God to give my marriage, second marriage, grace. Because there's going to be issues that you face that you did not face before in your first marriage. Or there's going to be issues you face finding yourself divorced, and you need grace, and we need secondhand grace. So this was the question I was asked last Sunday after the service, and it is a fair question. (laughs) Who will you marry as a pastor? Well, as a pastor, you have a lot of decisions you have to make. If somebody comes to me for um, to officiate their wedding I always tell them right up front I don't do weddings my job is as a pastor is to prepare people for a Christian marriage that is the first thing I make clear but there are um, I would just say to make this simple there are four things that cause me as a pastor to pause one is a divorced person seeking to be remarried the second one is a couple that is sexually active or they're cohabitating together before marriage. Another one is um, when both the couple, both the people are unbelievers. I got to pause there. And then the fourth one is when one is a believer and one is an unbeliever. You see, I believe I'm going to be held accountable for God for every marriage that I've officiated. And of all the marriages I've officiated, I do know of one divorce. And again, I still have sort of, it was in a different state, I still have a relationship um, sort of with that person. And I understand what happened and why they went through the divorce. But for the most part, I've tried to make sure that people understood And with those first three issues of divorce and remarriage and living together and being unbelievers, I feel very comfortable if there is time and if there is an opportunity for people to deal with their issues. And it requires time to be able to deal with our stuff. I know Andy Stanley, he has a two-year rule. He says two years, uh, somebody after divorce has to wait to get, to get married. I'm not there drawing a line two years, but what I am into, there needs to be time enough to deal with the situation, to understand where we're at and where we stand. Obviously, living together and unbelievers, we need to work through those issues But the one situation I will not marry is when one is a believer and one is a non-believer. 
Other than that, I am willing to do whatever it takes. And I understand the scripture from a variety of ways. And of those four interpretations, whether no divorce, no remarriage, divorce, no remarriage, divorce, an exception rule, or divorce for hardness of hearts. And to be honest with you as a pastor, I believe every story is different. And I need to listen to every story. And I need to know every story. And all of those interpretations, just like some of the people that hold those interpretations, sometimes we go back and forth on those. But I believe that God is calling us to elevate the sacredness of marriage. It is a covenant. It is a permanent one. And if we find ourselves in a divorce and remarriage situation, just like in any situation that we're finding ourselves in that is difficult, we need to seek His grace, His mercy, and most of all, we need to seek His truth. And we can't fear the truth because the truth, as Jesus said, will always be always set us free.